And welcome to it. Welcome to Wednesday on the Pure Opelka podcast. Mike Opelka with you. And thank you, thank you, thank you to the many of you who found me, listened, and reached out as I've been doing so much radio work, filling in for radio hosts around the country, Joe Pags, all over this great country. I have a few more dates for Pags coming up as well. Simon Conway out of Iowa. Drew Steele out of Florida. Chris Plant and Vince Colonnese out of Washington, D.C., and many, many more. I'll share those uh, locations and dates with you. If you follow me on Twitter or if you follow me on Facebook, if we're friends on Facebook, and I think on Instagram I tend to post it too, you'll be able to track me down and listen because uh, come starting this Friday and continuing pretty much through the end of the year, I'm going to be doing radio almost every single day. So some of the podcasts might be a little bit spotty, but I'm going to be all over the place with fresh content each and every day. And speaking of fresh content, today Dr. Michael Royson is popping in for Wellness Wednesday, and we will get a very important question answered. Many of you have written to me and said that uh, you'd like to know what is the one thing that Dr. Royson would suggest that uh, you do to get started on living younger and living longer. And I'll ask him that question right out of the blocks today. Uh, before we get into today's news, and I have a whole bunch of news and a whole bunch of audio to share with you. Let's look at this day in history. On this day back in the day in 1858, John Mason of New York got a patent for his invention of a glass jar with a real, real tight seal, a screw top called the Mason jar. Patented on this day in 1858. Also, the first Thanksgiving college football game was played on this date in 1876. Yale beat Harvard two to nothing. Two to nothing. Sounds like a soccer score, doesn't it? And by the way, congratulations to the United States of American soccer team that beat the Iranians and we're headed into the knockout round of 16. Saturday, we will get to that news on that. On this date in 1954, this is kind of bizarro. An eight-and-a-half-pound meteorite crashed through the roof of a home in rural Alabama, and it bounced off the radio and hit the leg of a woman who was asleep on her couch. Didn't hurt her too badly. She just kind of had a sore leg. On this date in 1965, Ralph Nader's book, Unsafe at Any Speed, was published. It was an attack on the Chevy Corvair. Nader called the car unsafe at any speed. A very dramatic title. It sold a lot and essentially killed the Corvair. Now, Nader had problems with the Corvair based on some issues with the early models in the uh, earliest part of the 1960s. By 1964, Chevrolet had fixed most of those and it was a pretty cool car. I actually drove one in the mid-70s for a while. It was a rear-engine, little little Chevy car. Um, a coupe had a back seat. It was pretty crowded back there, though. But uh, a rear-engine Chevrolet, you don't see that now in our American manufacturing. And uh, Nader killed it with unsafe at any speed. I'm just saying we, we need to be careful of how much government we want. You know, too much government can kill things. Uh, on this date in um, 2004, it seems like it wasn't that long ago, but way back in 2004, 
Ken Jennings, who's now kind of the host of Jeopardy, he um, he lost for the first time in 75 games. He won 74 games in a row and then lost on his 75th attempt, and he had earned over $3 million. $3 million. Kind of remarkable. All right, let's take a look at what's going on in the world. Because uh, some of these things are just uh, beyond belief. Uh, Joe Biden is on the road. He's been going out and doing these almost campaign-like appearances, it seems. And uh, that gives us the opportunity to have Joe Biden say some dumb things. And so we get to share them with you. Uh, The president was at a chip manufacturing plant yesterday when he wanted us to know that he he could have been an All-American football player in uh, college playing football. Yeah, Joe Biden said this. It was crazy. Jeff, thanks. Thank you, Jeffrey, for your introduction. I really mean it. It's a big deal. And you're a big guy. As as I told you, if I had you running in front of me when I was playing flanker back, I could have been an All-American, man. It could have been big. It could have been big. Flanker back? Joe Biden quit football as a freshman. But he still has this delusion that he could have been a All-American player. He went on to talk about the American Rescue Plan, which went uh, a long way towards uh, creating more problems in our economy, adding to the deficit, et cetera, government spending. And uh, Joe wanted us to know just how great it was, you know. We passed the American Rescue Plan. Now, everybody knows it, but we did so much, no one knows the effects of it yet. We're just... Wait, what? We did so much that no one knows the effects of it yet? I know the effects of it. Yes, it's created inflation. And Joe thinks inflation is going away. Yeah, it's still at uh, 40-year high levels, 7.7%. Here was Joe yesterday talking about being, being grateful and proud of the inflation we have. Like they're doing before I got elected president, inflation at the grocery stores, thank God, beginning to slow. Prices for things like clothes, television, and appliances are going down. That's good news for the holiday season. Well, prices go down for televisions always between Thanksgiving and the New Year because they have to get rid of all the old models, and it's the time to sell them. We had Black Friday, Cyber Monday, whatever the hell you want to call it, and uh, the prices for televisions get competitive. But don't talk about the grocery store, Joe, because food, people having to choose between heating and eating. That's the great phrase. Heating and eating. It is, um, it's disgusting what's going on. And then Joe tried to insult us. He doesn't think we're smart. Like, you understand the supply chain, don't you? It's how something gets from where it's manufactured or grown to you. That's the supply chain. We all know what it is. But Joe thinks you're too stupid to understand that. Ten years ago, how many knew what the hell the supply chain was? Most of us. No, I'm serious. Yeah. Most of us. Most of us knew, Joe. But you keep thinking we're stupid. The American people are not stupid. They are very, very smart. And when it comes to inflation, well, what did Joe have to say? It's going to take time to get inflation back to normal levels as we keep the job market resilient. 
Um, I believe you told us 18 months ago the inflation problem as it went from the one and a half percent under Donald Trump to uh, now where we are at 7.7 percent on an annualized basis. You told us that that was transitory. You told us it was transitory. CNN even understands that things aren't really correct. CNN yesterday reporting on Joe saying the economy is strong as hell. Uh, on the latest consumer confidence numbers, which tell a great story. What's going on here with consumer confidence? Consumer confidence is the part of it where uh, consumers are saying they're feeling a certain way, and they're saying that they're feeling uh, uneasy about where the economy is headed. Um, consumer confidence falling to its lowest level since July, falling for a second, uh, second month in a row in November, and they're basically reflecting that there's uncertainty going forward, that they're feeling pretty gloomy about where the economy is headed. Why? There are three reasons why, and I bet you can guess which the first reason is, and that's inflation, inflation at 40-year highs. No one likes to spend uh, top dollar for rent, food, and clothing, right? Secondly, uh, gas prices. When the survey was taken, gas prices were actually at a high, so confidence took a hit then and then the third part of it is the jobs market look you know you can just you know watch the news and hear about the tech layoffs that creates uncertainty as well as well as the hiring freezes going on at a lot of these tech companies as well we don't know the full story yet about all the layoffs that are coming that's uh allison kosick over at cnn and that is a real a real bit of actual news out of cnn i was amazed to hear that but it's um, it's kind of stunning when you think about it. Is CNN being shocked into doing actual journalism? We'll talk about that. Uh, Don Lemon said some things recently that have got people shaking their heads saying, Don, are you okay? You really think that CNN is fair and balanced? To quote the Fox News motto from years gone. Uh, the other issue is the, uh, the story that uh, it keeps haunting this administration. It is uh, Joe Biden allowing Chevron, an American company, to go back to Venezuela and drill. I thought all this drilling was bad for the whole planet. We were always told that all of this drilling, no matter where it happens, taking oil out of the ground, taking gas out of the ground, that's horrible for the whole planet. So why is it okay to do it in Venezuela? The same reason why it's okay for Russia to keep doing it and selling it to the world. We haven't stopped Russia. Russia's making a lot of money on their dirty oil. When we have plenty of oil here, we have a ton of oil here. We have enough oil so that we could be selling oil to the rest of the world. But the Biden administration, which told us less than a month ago that uh, they want to end drilling. Joe said it himself. He wants to end drilling. His, um, his energy advisor, Amos Hochstein, was on CNBC and was cornered on what does that mean? What the heck does he mean by ending drilling? It was 10 days ago the president again said, President Biden, maybe you, you, you try to talk him out of it. I don't know. I don't know what you do when he says it. But when he says we're going to end drilling uh, domestically, that causes the major oil producers to not want to invest long term. It, how can you give me you say we like them we want them to produce give me a number on on how long do you want them to do it for five more years for 10 more years how long will we need these major oil producers to keep drilling what, what does he mean we're going to end drilling when 
Well, eventually we are we're going to be phasing out uh, the use what of oil. What is eventually? That's just, so What's eventually? Because you're not you, going to want to invest any money in in doing this if it's two or three years from now, or even five years almost. So I don't think we're talking about two, three years. We're talking about longer than that. And as you know well, the production in the United States, onshore production in the United States, is short cycle, relatively short cycle production. There can be investments, and recovery of those investments happens at a much uh, shorter cycle than offshore. This is insanity. They're speaking in generalities to companies that need specifics when it comes to deciding if they're going to put billions of dollars into exploration, production, refining, and delivery of that oil. At the same time, they are squeezing companies that make cars to eliminate cars that use gasoline and diesel and push this electric switch, which is worse for the environment. One of my favorite senators, John Kennedy of Louisiana, was on uh, Fox News earlier today talking about the Biden administration and their energy policy. And they're putting all these new regulations, their new rules to prevent any uh, methane leaks here at home, but yet we're, all, we're allowing them to drill and continue uh, to process oil down in Venezuela. How do you feel about that? It's more rules for us and allowing Venezuela with this dictatorship to drill. Ainsley, I used to have a, uh, <clears throat> I used to have a, a, a beagle named Roger. And Roger was a rascal. About every two weeks, Roger would run off. He'd always come back. But about half the time, he'd come back dragging uh, roadkill that he would hide under my back porch. Uh, President Biden's energy policy looks like something Roger used to keep under my back porch. Bingo. Biden's energy policy is roadkill. They don't really have anything specific. They're just spouting what the left climate change greenies are throwing at them and demanding of them. It it makes no sense. And to add to the makes no sense, you have European countries that are being pressured by the European Union to eliminate farming because they claim farming, growing food, so people can eat is bad for the environment. I'm not kidding you. They're blaming the fertilizer. They're blaming the farm uh, harvesting equipment, you know, because they run on fossil fuels. And there are countries that are now looking to purchase thousands of farms to shut them down. You heard that right. Governments are actually saying We need to stop growing things that have been feeding our people because we're worried about the weather and we're going to tax people in order to fix the weather, even though we know it doesn't work. But uh, in the meantime, people are hungry and they're saying, what do we eat? Two days ago, the Washington Post had a story about telling people who are hungry who can't afford their food and are making choices right now about, again, heating or eating. Oh, you should eat bugs. They're crazy. They're absolutely crazy. It it is really disturbing what's going on. Can you imagine? uh, We used to laugh about the fact that uh, the government was taking corn and turning it into ethanol and saying, well, that's going to fix our energy problem. 
Even Bill Clinton said it's not a good idea to, um, to burn your food as fuel. Even Bill Clinton got it. But, you know, the Democrats today, they're on a totally different plane. They have completely sold us out. It is more than disturbing, more than worrisome to all of us. Uh, and, you know, I heard, um, I heard Peter Ducey pressing uh, the White House during a press, um, press briefing the other day about the Venezuela issue. And uh, there's no real correct answer that ever comes out of this White House. It's just misdirection. Why is it that President Biden would rather let U.S. companies drill for oil in Venezuela than here in the U.S.? That's uh, not an accurate take uh, on the president's view. There are plenty of opportunities for oil and gas companies to drill here in the United States. Does the president think there's some benefit to the climate to drill oil in Venezuela and not here? It has nothing to do with a benefit to the climate here. Again, there are 9,000 unused permits here in the United States. That number, that 9,000 unused permits, is uh, a misdirection because you need to look deeper into why those permits to drill aren't being utilized. Does it have something with the fact that the state won't allow the drilling company access to the area? The permit to drill might be solid, but unless you can get to the area, well, it's worthless, isn't it? Absolutely worthless. And that's kind of where this is. And God bless Peter Ducey for squeezing and trying to get a real answer out of the White House press office because you just don't. You just will not get any truth out of these people. The other story that's out there is uh, China. And we talked to Gordon Chang, if you heard my interview with Gordon Chang, about the protests in China. Well, as of this morning, there are tanks on the streets in China. But we're not going to see too much coverage because the left doesn't want you to see too much coverage of what's happening in China. And China doesn't want you to see too much coverage. And Apple doesn't want you to see too much of what's going on. We now know that Apple shut off the file sharing program on Apple. It's a, it's a pretty handy thing. If, if you've got an iPhone or an iPad and you want to share uh, a file with somebody, you tap a simple button. And if you're close to somebody, you can send it just through the air. And it goes there, big files, small files, goes there instantly, basically. Apple shut that off in China. So the people who are out there protesting, covering the protest, couldn't send their coverage to people. And so the Chinese government could suppress it. Why is Apple doing that? And then why is Apple also threatening to pull the app off of eBay, the Twitter app? What is Apple doing? And who is working with Apple? Well, it sure feels like this administration and specifically Joe Biden have been tight with China for a long time. And they're also tight with all the tech industries. As a matter of fact, uh, Joe Biden has been talking about wanting China to succeed for quite some time. I've got about a minute of Joe Biden hoping for China to rise. Check China is not our enemy. I believe then, and I'm even more convinced now, that a rising China is an incredibly positive development for not only China, but the United States and the rest of the world. It is in our self-interest 
that China continue to prosper. China is a great nation, and we should hope for the continued expansion. We want to see China rise. A rising China can be a significant asset for the region and the world. China is going to eat our lunch. Come on, man. They're not bad folks, folks. But guess what? They're not a they're, they're not, not they're competition for us. China is not our problem. We can help them with some of their problems. China is not a problem. The idea that China is going to eat our lunch is bizarre. And so, what are we what are we worried about? We talk about China as our competitor. We should be helping. Do you think, in retrospect, that you were naive about China? No. No, he doesn't think he was naive about China. That montage was put together by the RNC. It's one of the better things they've done. And why isn't Joe harder on China? In fact, with the protests happening this week, uh, Joe and his representatives have said some really interesting things about the protests in China. Very interesting. Joe and his administration sound very weak on the Chinese protests. What is the president's reaction when he hears protesters in China chant freedom or Xi Jinping step down? The president's not going to speak for protesters around the world. They're speaking for themselves. And so there's no reaction? This, the, the, these protesters are speaking for themselves. Hmm. Speaking for themselves. Why? Why, why doesn't Joe support those protesters? I think he's compromised. I think you believe he's compromised, too. It really sounds like this administration's starting to get worried. And there was a new survey out, a new survey, a Rasmussen poll, which tends to lean a little bit right. But this poll has an overwhelming majority of people wanting Congress to investigate the Hunter Biden laptop, Hunter Biden's business dealings, what Joe Biden knew and what he was involved with all along. It's, uh, it's kind of disturbing. And here we are, just a few weeks before Christmas and Hanukkah and the new year and a new Congress, and we're facing a rail strike that could cripple our economy and this administration is out there just telling us how great everything is and that China's not a problem. I can't wait for this administration to face the Republicans. I cannot wait for this administration to have to deal with someone who wants to get answers and who wants to really close the border. Yesterday, I watched Kevin McCarthy uh, holding forth after a meeting with um, congressional leaders at the White House. Schumer and Pelosi, McCarthy and uh, McConnell were all at the White House to meet with the president, allegedly to talk about working together. Schumer and Pelosi don't want to work together with anybody on the other side. Not at all. Not at all. McCarthy talked about his hopes and, and working across the aisle. He had a great new haircut, too. I think it's the best new haircut he's had. This complete sidebar there. Uh, this is a little bit about what uh, McCarthy said to the media. We just had a meeting, and I, what I explained to all of them is that I can work with anyone who's willing to work to get our spending under control, to work to make America energy independent, to secure our borders. Um, CRs are not where we want to be, 
but if we cannot get our work done now, the outgoing majority, if they don't want to work with us, we can get this work done in January as well. So McCarthy's talking about CR continuing resolutions. These are those funding bills that they pushed through at the last minute because nobody seems to be able to plan ahead to get a budget approved. And we're playing this this game with the 11th hour, if you will, of um, the lame duck session where the Democrats are trying to shove them some things across the line. And uh, there's a report that there is a bipartisan effort to prevent a rail strike. But the union workers aren't exactly positive on this. They're not exactly sure that they could trust Congress. And maybe this cooling off period will at least get us through the uh, the new year so we won't have a supply chain problem. Oh, by the way, do you know what the supply chain is? Joe doesn't think you do. Of course you do. Uh, McCarthy also talked about the border because he's been to the border, unlike the president or the vice president who are in charge of that. McCarthy has been to the border. He had to say this about that discussion. I invited the president to go to the border with me. I explained to the president, he asked me about the border, so I told him about my current trip. Just in El Paso, in one, on one overhang of a freeway, 70,000 people have come across in the last seven weeks. If we would send people back to the country that they came from, the border agents would tell you they stopped coming. The border agents themselves are cut short, that there's not enough of them, that they're sitting and working the job as processing. We could have somebody else for that job so they could be out front. I explained to the president what I saw, where you could see the videos of these cartels literally shooting tracers at our National Guard. A woman hung because she didn't pay the cartel. Her feet cut off, put on fire, that the cartel is controlling as you watch them across. But I also explained to him what's happening when it comes to fentanyl. There's not just any city. Every city today is now a border city. He's correct. The border is a disaster. It's all Biden's fault. It's all the Democrats' fault. And thank God for everybody who points to the problem at the border and explains that it's not just on the border, but it's now everywhere in America. Everywhere. And we better do something about it soon. And I mean really so. But, you know, the left doesn't want us to talk. The left wants to silence us from what's going on on Twitter to everywhere you turn. In fact, we're now being told, and remember, that First Amendment, that right to speak, that right to worship, that right to tell your government they're wrong, all of those five protections in the First Amendment are under attack from within especially from Democrats. Representative Sheila Jackson Lee, she-jack, as the cool kids call her. Does anybody call her that? Really? I don't know. Sheila Jackson Lee was on Al Sharpton's show on MSNBC. Yes, he still gets paid millions from NBC to push his divisive race hustle. Sheila Jackson Lee wants us to know it's documented that um, sticks and stones will break your bones, but words can do it too. She actually said this. Seriously. Let me just say this, uh, Reverend Sharpton. It is uh, very well documented that words nowadays can actually uh, break your bones. Can we see the documentation, please? 
Will you please hold up the documentation that words can break your bones? I'm sorry. These people are nuts. These people are absolutely nuts. And uh, if, if you're going to start going after people for saying violent things, you need to look across the caucus aisle to Maxine Waters, who during the Trump era was repeating some words Every day, you know, telling people that you have to make everybody in the Trump administration uncomfortable. And then she also wanted to make sure we impeach Donald Trump. I'm going to say impeach 45 every day. Impeach 45 every day. Impeach 45 every day. No, they're not crazy at all, are they? And then yesterday on The View, we watched so you don't have to. Alyssa Milano, who really doesn't have a show business career anymore. Alyssa Milano... (laughs) is uh, getting a lot of attention because she is screaming and hollering in Twitter land about Elon Musk. She's mad that Elon Musk used his money to buy a company and now is doing with that company what he sees fit to make it work. He's bringing back free speech. And I'm old enough to remember when Alyssa Milano loved Elon Musk. She was completely enamored of Elon Musk. She was constantly tweeting about just how great Elon Musk was. Uh, You need proof? You want me to share it with you? Okay. Uh, In uh, 2015, she tweeted, I am in awe of Elon Musk. I continue to be amazed by my Tesla motors. She has a Tesla. And then she put a link to the web page for Tesla where you would go and design your car. In 2014, just a little bit before that, she actually just tweeted, Elon Musk, you're amazing. That's it. She also posted in 2015, uh, four people you want to have dinner with, dead or alive, mine, Jesus, Roberto Clemente, John Lennon, and Elon Musk. That was 2015. She also got her uh, Model X Tesla. That's the one. It's over $100,000. Uh, and in 2016, she said, my Tesla Motors Model X just arrived. Thank you for being a genius. Respectfully, Alyssa Milano. She also tweeted that, I told my four-year-old about SpaceX landing a rocket on water. I guess it inspired him. And then she posted some kind of crazy picture. She has all these tweets about Elon Musk. And then when Elon Musk announces he's going to allow free speech on Twitter, she loses her ever-loving mind and melts down publicly, says, I'm giving back my Tesla, and I've just bought a Volkswagen electric vehicle. And Elon was quick to point out, "Mm, so you got rid of an American car to buy a European car. Good to know. And many of us pointed out how uh, the Volkswagen was a creation of Nazi Germany, that Hitler was behind the creation of the Volkswagen. So good move there, lady. Really good move. The View invited Alyssa Milano on to explain why she's still on Twitter. And Whoopi Goldberg is not. Whoopi has left Twitter. She's officially left. She didn't ever move to Canada, though. But this exchange is kind of interesting because it lays bare what the agenda is of these people on the far, far left. We can't cede that territory. 
Mm. It's like a turf war now. Ah, That's no. how I look at it. Some things you have to walk away from until you can, can get the control you need of it. Right. right now, there's no way to get this control. Yeah. Control. Control. That's what it's about, huh, Whoopi? Control. I remember when you didn't want the government controlling personal choices of a woman. And you were screaming about it on The View. Get out of my behind. Get out of my vagina. Get out. Yeah, uh, you, you don't have to ask twice, Whoopi. You really don't. You want, you want to have choice? I don't want you with my coochie. Yeah, okay. You don't want me in yours either. Yeah, I, I think we're all good on that. We're really all good on that. I need a break. I need a break from these people. I'll tell you what, it is Wednesday, Wellness Wednesday, and that means our good friend, Dr. Michael Royson, is here to wrap up the month of November. We will get some Wellness Wednesday stuff here with Dr. Michael Royson next on the Pure Opelka podcast. Our friend, Dr. Michael Royson of the Cleveland Clinic is with us once again. I'm really happy he's here. And we are, of course, going to be talking about the Great Age Reboot, Dr. Royson's book that is uh, meant to help us all not just live longer, but to live younger so we can be very active. Dr. Royson, thanks for being here. How are you? I am great, and I hope you are too. And I heard you had a great Thanksgiving, and you tried to get some hole-in-ones. Yeah, didn't happen, though. But I was out there trying. The fact that we were still playing golf, uh, one day we actually played without jackets, but winter is creeping up on us, so it's getting harder and harder to uh, actually play golf with four or five layers of clothing and gloves and stuff. But we're not giving up. The quest is still on. And you will trust me, Dr. Royson. If it happens over the weekend, you're not going to have to wait to hear. You are going to get a call from uh, probably someone who's been overserved telling you that it happened. I'm just saying. That sounds pretty good. <laughs> I hope so. I hope so. Before we get to the research, which you sent me a couple of days ago, and I was going, wow, this is really great stuff. I want to ask you one question that people always ask me because I'm yammering about your book all the time. So you got to get Dr. Royce's book, The Great Age Reboot, The Great Age Reboot, and you'll live younger and longer. And they're like, okay, just tell me one thing, one thing. What is the first thing I should tell people they should do or they can do if they want to live longer and live younger? Well, the most important is managing stress. And the most important ways of managing stress are having friends you're vulnerable to. So it is calling a posse. It is developing a posse. It is, you know, when we're young, friends come easily. As we get older, you've got to nurture them. So the most important thing I would say is, one, do something you want to do. But two is nurture your friends. The great thing about this is it doesn't really cost you anything. You know, you can go out there and make friends with people. And my mom used to say, if you want a friend, you have to be a friend. So that's all you have to do is be a friend to somebody. Do something nice for somebody. Find something you enjoy doing together. I have my golf posse. These three guys that uh, we will generally look out for each other, except for the trash talking on the course. 
And I will tell you, it is a four-hour break from the rest of the world that you just can't replicate anywhere else. And it is like getting a four-hour brain break, a four-hour stress break. Stress is that that tough on us, Doc, that that's really what we should work on, stress management first? Well, if you look at what things do to your rate of aging, three major life events, and we all have one or two of them. We take a new job, we're forced to move, we have financial difficulties, someone sues us, uh, someone in our family gets sick, um, someone in our family dies, etc., you get married, you get divorced, all those things count as major life events. There are 13 of them. And when you have three of them in one year, if you don't mitigate against the stressful response, you end up being 32 years older from a risk of disability and death. So you're 50, no, you're really 82. The average in America is 1.3 per year, so you're already whatever it is, 10 years older, if you don't mitigate. But if you have six friends, you can call on monthly. That's your posse. If you have a posse of six, and I consider you one of my friends, Michael, if you have six of those, then you only age two years instead of 32 years. So having friends you're vulnerable to and can share things with, that's really important, especially for men. Uh, women tend to make friends and uh, have friends they're vulnerable to a lot more than men. A, I thank you for putting me in the friendship circle. I really appreciate that. And B, that that simple statement is something everybody should pay attention to. Work on building your posse. And these are people you can you can tell everything to and you can offload some of your stress so you will you'll be able to be healthier. Wow, that's that's great stuff, Doc. Michael, yes. I should probably do a comparison just to give you the idea. A pack of cigarettes only makes a day only makes you about eight years older. Doing the maximum amount of the four physical activities that have been shown to reduce your rate of aging only is 10 years. So this is really a big thing, hmm. if you will. Eating the best diet can continue compared to an average diet, that's about a 13-year effect. So this is, stress is really huge, and friends, posse, and purpose are the keys. Friends, posse, and purpose. I'm, I'm writing that down. All right, Doc, let's dive into some of this great research this week. This one caught my attention. Is your teenager depressed or just moody? And is one worse than the other? Um, depression is much worse than moody. Everybody who's a teenager is moody at one time or another. That's what the change in hormones does for you or does to you. But when you're uh, depressed, it is withdrawing from family, friends, or activities you used to enjoy. And the real, the keys are cutting behavior, Um, Other forms of self-harm like hair pulling or skin picking, uh, drug and alcohol use, expressions of hopelessness or big drops in self-esteem, and explicit talk of suicide or subtle comments like, I wish I weren't here. Those are real signs that you need help. And there's the 988 suicide and crisis hotline. And there's even a crisis text line now to get help 
on a text line, you text HOME, H-O-M-E, to 741741. 988 for the suicide phone line, and the crisis text line is 741741. This is uh, is really important stuff. And there is a difference between depression and just moodiness, which happens naturally. Thank you, life changes. Hey, Doc, why am I always thirsty? Well, the major cause is you're not drinking enough. When you look at the causes of thirst, it is usually um, you've done something like you have fever or vomiting or diarrhea or you've exercised a lot. Those things cause dehydration and the natural response your body has is drink more. So it is overheating, exercise, vomiting, diarrhea. The, the main causes are dehydration. Occasionally you'll get uh, hunger from salty food and occasional from medical conditions. But uh, by far, when you look at America, why are you thirsty? 90% you're behind in the amount of fluid you've taken in. And the fluid you're always pushing is usually water. But if I'm drinking green tea, sipping green tea all day, all day does that fill that need to hydrate? Absolutely. Okay. Just checking. Want to make sure. Even coffee does. Only as a diuretic, meaning only causes you to lose fluid when you're overhydrated. They are, the only reason coffee acts to cause excess urination is because you're fully hydrated. It doesn't cause dehydration in the vast majority of cases. While, while we're talking about you know the need to expel or get rid of uh, water, if you're overhydrated, um, this is a weird theory, Doc. And we talk about this on the golf course. If somebody has to, you know, go on the golf course and they go, and, and then they feel like they're holding back because they don't want to break the seal. If you know what I mean. If you go once, does that mean you're going to have to go again sooner? No. Okay, I'm just saying. Um, but it, if you don't go, it could mean your bladder gets distended to the point where the muscle doesn't contract normally and you won't be able to get rid of all the urine you've got Hmm. and then have to go again. We're always debating on long car trips if we should stop more frequently, if we should try to extend it, etc. But uh, I know what you're saying. Don't don't hang on too long. Yes, stop more frequently. Okay, all right. Uh, Let me squeeze a couple more in here, Doc. There's just so many good ones. We always talk about how vaping is not good for you, not good for you, not good for you, even if you're vaping something that's not got nicotine in it, but it's it's possibly dangerous to your smile. What's that about? It does two things that are bad for you relating to your smile. One is it causes small vessel inflammation, small vessel disease, that's what happens with cigarettes, too. Whenever you're burning something, you get pollution and you get a small vessel disease. That causes wrinkles around the lips, um, making your smile look bad. And the second thing, and by the way, it also causes small vessel disease in your sexual organs, causing erectile dysfunction in men and lack of orgasm in women. So it has those bad things, vaping does, as well as tobacco. And the, the second thing is it changes the bacteria inside your mouth so that you're more likely to get gum disease and chronic inflammation rather than just the short term while you're vaping. 
I think the most important news we got out of this little question here is that uh, vaping takes the lead out of the pencil for men and makes the big O harder for women to achieve. Anybody have any questions? Let's remember that and go forward. All right, Doc. Uh, it's the holiday season. A lot of candles being lit in homes. And uh, we've had this argument in our house about what candles can be dangerous or toxic. What are we worried about? What are we looking for in candles? Inside, they release benzene and toluene. Toluene is in paint thinners and adhesives and causes cancer. Benzene also causes cancer. So you don't want to light a candle in a closed space. In addition, a bunch of candles have lead wicks especially bigger candles, have a metal cord candle wick, which can cause lead poisoning. So the basic message is if you're going to light a candle, light it outside. If you light one of those big candles, if you light a small candle, well, that's okay. But again, you want it in an aerated area, so turn a fan on. I'm just thinking about all those candles in church. There's a lot of candles, but I don't think they have the uh, the lead wicks. The good news about a church is usually it's pretty darn well ventilated, but also you've usually got pretty tall ceilings, so no one other than maybe the uh, pastor gets enough of the candle to make a difference. Well, what about the Hanukkah menorah? Um, those are pretty small candles, and they burn pretty fast. Uh, our, our guest is our friend, Dr. Michael Roizen. He's part of my posse, too. And uh, we, we suggest you get a posse to make sure the stress in your life is as minimal as it possibly can be. And that's part of helping you live longer and live younger. The Great Age Reboot is the book. You need to go to thegreatagereboot.com and find out what you need to know to be around here longer and healthier. Dr. Royson, thank you, my friend. Thank you. My privilege. 